Hey everybody, this is episode 67 of the Q&A Podcast. My name is Anthony, sitting right next to me as always is my pal DeQuincy. Hi everybody. DeQuincy, baseball season has started. Really? No. It sure has. And you, my friend, you were at opening day. Yes, yes I was. I thought you were going to continue with the, really? No way. Yes way. But, I digress. Um... I was not there for opening day. I missed the game on television, in person, on the radio, everything. I didn't get a chance to watch it, hear it, or anything. But uh, you have first-hand account of the uh, the big night. I, I think um, there's a lot of buzz coming into this season. Yes. Uh, with all the additions that the Astros have made in all seasons, which we talked about on our last podcast. Uh, opening day was... As it is every year, hectic. It is the one day of the year, one game of the year where it's a guaranteed sellout. If and you're a, a, a basketball team, basketball. If you're a baseball team and you don't sell out on opening day, you should just pack it all up and sell your team to Montreal. I mean, where do you want to start? Well, the crowd, I think. I mean, yeah, you know, opening day. Historically, sells out every year. I believe we had a little bit over forty-three thousand people there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that this team is still able to do that. I mean, considering how poorly they've performed over the past few years, and I think uh, this is the first time in a long time that uh, it's sold out. Not just because it's opening day, but because there is a legitimate buzz. That this team, you know, I predicted they're going to make the playoffs. My bold prediction, our last episode. Um, but I feel like there's a legitimate buzz, a legitimate excitement about this team. That um, you're, I think you're going to see an uptick in attendance starting this year. I think it's going to, you know, the trend is going to continue as, you know, the next few seasons go by. Uh, but this is going to be the, I think, the start of something, uh, of, of a, you know, the uptick for the organization as a whole. Well, as far as I'm concerned, and what I've seen from the last two crowds, it doesn't matter what the buzz is going into the season. If the team doesn't win, people aren't going to show up. That's uh, true. Well, that's true, too. Um, but I think... How, well, okay, so how was the crowd on Wednesday night for... Oh, well, no. Do you know... Did uh, You weren't there on Wednesday. Did, did anybody tell you? I wasn't there, but I will look it up. I can tell you today's crowd, there was a day game. There were... This goes on tickets sold. So this isn't, this isn't a, an actual mm-hmm. accurate count of how many people were actually at the game. Sure. So today it was 22,593. That's... That's okay for a day game. I think that's pretty good. Considering, you know, summer... Uh, it's it's not it's not yet summer. Uh, kids are still in school, mm-hmm. where they belong. Right, uh, all year that goes for summer too. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I know. You know, I think children are evil. Why do we keep having them? <laughs> I think twenty two thousand sold for an April game early in the season is a pretty decent number because. I, you know, I, I don't think it's realistic. This isn't the kind of city where people just take off to go to a baseball game. You know, we, we really haven't set that tradition. Like like in Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, Wrigley Field, 
most of their games were daytime games, and they have been for a long time. And I think, you know, uh, that city is just conditioned that when there was a day game, you know, we're going to pack that stadium in no matter what. Um, and they have been, considering how bad they've been for the past, what, 90 years, they still, you know, pack it in pretty good on day games. Let's see, opening day, 43,753 people. Mm-hmm. Let me check you from... There we go. This is game two. This was the Wednesday game. Dropped down to 23,078. Hmm. Ah, I guess it's kind of... It's kind of putting my argument to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a drop of 20,000 people. Just not even... Show, well, not buying tickets, rather. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there are... Well, no, they. I was gonna say there was a Rockets game last night, but they were out of town. But to, to me, it's it's about the it's about opening day. Opening day isn't just a game; mm-hmm. it's an entire event. I mean, they have Clay Walker singing a national anthem. They have the um, who are they the Blue Angels or whatever they call them flying over the stadium. Mm-hmm. They have all the season ticket holders out on the field unfurring this huge flag that takes up all of center field. And it's a street fest. It's a street fest. It's also, you know, it's the first time you've been in the ballpark in six months. You walk around, you see what upgrades they made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than just a game. That's oh <laughs> I wow! Just, I, I did wow. not. That's the actual slogan. It's been for like the last year and this year. It's that opening day is more than just a game. I mean, they were showing. You know, you go on Snapchat and the MLB was showing opening day Snapchats and they were showing the Cincinnati people like having a parade down the street leading to the Great American Ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not just a game. Opening day is an event all over baseball mm-hmm. and it inflates ticket sales. And if your team is good enough, you know, that'll carry over into the next couple of games, which I didn't even think it matters if you're good or not. Every team should sell opening day. Yeah, no, but I'm talking about game two. You know where where that leads, and I guess I, I thought there was enough of a buzz, but that game two number isn't. You know, it kind of indicates that I think people are still. I guess they are still just kind of pensive, and uh, you know, waiting to see how the you know this early part of the season you know unfolds. Uh, but for they me, had, I'm excited. They had twenty three thousand for what was that? Um, th- Wednesday night game, mm-hmm. and I had twenty two. Today for the day game. They almost sold more for a day game than they did for a night game. It shows that there's not much buzz besides people who are diehard fans or gotcha. who, you know, say they work for a company, they get tickets. It's like, eh, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, my view is completely <laughs> null and void, but that's okay. Um, it's like that old saying winning cures everything. If they go into an all-star game and their record is 500 or better, after the all-star game, you'll see a t- you'll see an uptick in ticket sales. You'll see crowds like how they used to be 10 years ago, where instead of 22,000, 30,000 is the norm. Right. Okay. So, so you're saying that I guess at most you should give it half the season essentially to see um, how the attendance you know will will turn out. I guess mm-hmm. in the second half of the year. Yeah. And let's be honest, Houston, not a baseball town. It is a football town. The entire state of Texas is a football state. 
Yeah, that's true. And the same thing goes with the Rangers. When the Rangers were pitiful a couple years ago. Were? <laughs> Before they went to their World Series. Oh, okay. I, I remember we go to, um, for Laura's birthday trip, we go to Arlington. And the stadium would be half full. Now, I don't know if that had anything to do with the team or the fact that it's 100 degrees and there's no roof. Right. But it still would be half full. And the last... Sorry, hold on. <coughs> Way to be positive, though. You're a, you're a stadium half full guy, not a stadium half empty. Yeah, I, sure, why not? Yeah. Last couple of years when they went to the World Series, you see all these Ranger fans that, I'm sorry, that I'd never seen before. Bandwagon. <coughs> exactly. Excuse Coming me. to Head the up. Astro Games. Has something stuck in your throat? You all right? It's like a, a bandwagon. <coughs> bandwagon. You all right there? Whew, okay, uh, I think I got it. Those, those fans will be wearing Astro jerseys soon enough. All right. <laughs> uh, Bandwagon. If your team, there's only a couple teams that draw well no matter if they win or lose, and that's Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, teams like that. Teams that have been around for almost you know a century or so. Teams that are woven into the fabric of, I guess, American, Americana. Yeah, of American society, American history, essentially. And teams like the Astros, the Rangers, the Twins, the Rays, they're not like that. They come in... And if they're winning, mm-hmm. fans will come out and watch them. If they're losing, they'll turn off their TVs. And also, we I think we discussed this on the podcast, maybe off air. Not having a TV deal for two yeah. years hurts. Look, honestly, that's part of the reason why I didn't watch the game Monday. Or, yeah, Monday. I mean, you know, I was busy. I had some stuff to do after work. But, you know, there was enough time for me where I could have caught the game or, you know, recorded it and watched it later. But... Um, they were off television for so long that two years. I, me personally, I just they just kind of went out of sight, out of mind. You know, I still have the same thing with the Rockets. Oh yeah, like I'll see their play. I'll be on the internet and I'll be on Twitter and I'll see people tweeting about it. And I'll completely forget that I can actually watch them. Honestly, the only time I watch the Rockets are when usually when you're here at my house before we're about to record mm-hmm. because we're looking for something on television mm-hmm. while we're setting up. Uh, and you know, I hand the remote to you, and you go to the sports channels. Boom, the Rockets are on. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know they were playing. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just both of these teams were gone for so long that you know, I, I just I kind of moved on. <laughs> it's weird to say, but I kind of moved on. I found other things to do. Yeah, especially hurt you since you're no longer working there. Yeah, absolutely. And. Uh, it's just it's kind of carried over. I mean, I'm excited about the season. I I follow the team, you know, mm-hmm. you know transactions they've done, you know, uh, you know, of course for the podcast, but you know, just for my own interest. And you know, honestly, you know, when getting ready for fantasy season to start, yeah. Um, but actually sitting down and watching the games, I, I really haven't taken the time to do so. And I think. I think I can get past that, and I think I can get back into it. But um, it's gonna it's gonna take a couple of weeks, I think, where I'll you know really keep track of it and say, oh, I gotta catch the game. You know, I've kind of got a routine down where you know you know when I get home. Okay. So, but back to um, opening day. Opening so. day, the event. You know that the you know as you describe it. You know, let, let's let's get some insight from uh, an employee's perspective. I okay. Would say. You know. Now, 
Without being too harsh or too critical. I won't be too harsh or, <laughs> or too critical. I don't want to... Real we, talk. I, you know, there's... I don't want anybody to hear this and get fired. Right. So, me personally, for opening day, I both love it and loathe it. Love it because it means the Astros are back. Baseball's back. And yep. having a little extra money in your pocket every two weeks doesn't hurt either. Can't argue with that. I hate it because it is the busiest day by far. <laughs> um, unless the Astros make the playoffs while I'm working there... Um, opening day will always be the bane because you have so many fans that come in and for some people opening day is the only game that they come to <laughs> so it's like uh, you have to explain where this is what's changed what's new you can, you get to see all your season ticket holders from the last couple of years which is great because I've worked in the same section for going on five or six years so I know them and they know me it's always great to see them come back mm-hmm. I always make jokes. Oh, you came back. And like, yeah, <laughs> another year of suffering. But see, the holes there, my, all the ones in my section are predicting somewhere between 81 to 87 wins this wow. year. So they're pretty optimistic. Yeah. Um, the one thing that kills me is just, it's a constant, it's the, I don't understand why people think they can um, move down from the 400 <laughs> down into the 100 seats. Like, if you want to try that on the slow game when we only have 20,000 people, okay, you can spot a seat and you can come sit down there in the third inning and, you know, you won't make a fuss. But you cannot try to sneak down there. (laughs) Opening day, it's going to be the busiest day. It's going to, everyone's going to be there. Every ticket is going to be checked. Exactly. (laughs) Like, security is the highest, literally, from us and HPD. There are more undercover cops, police, dogs, anything you can imagine is there at opening day. You're giving away away their secrets. (laughs) Well, you know, when when it's the busiest, I guarantee you it'll be busy when the Red Sox and Yankees come to town as well. It's just, stop doing stupid things when everybody's (laughs) watching everything. Right. (sighs) But I think... I didn't even get to see much of the game until about the 6th or 7th inning. You know what? In the eight years that I was working there, every I think I worked out of eight years, I think I worked six opening days. I've worked every one. This is my tenth, and it really is the busiest day of the year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it goes by in the blink of an eye. You know, one, you know, it's like you're, you're one moment you're hearing one minute you're hearing the national anthem. The next minute, boom, you know, it's it's the seventh inning already. Yeah, the National Anthem is the only time you get any kind of reprieve. And then once that's over, it's, you know, you're helping fans with seats, with food, getting wheelchairs, getting yeah. uh, chairs for the handicap section. Getting people in the building. Getting people in the building. They're always, uh, if you work on that main level, mm-hmm. if you work by any of the entrances. Oh, my God. If you go, here's a tip. If you're coming into the game the one exit you do not want to come into is South Home Plate because it is without doubt the busiest one every year. It is right so, off of Texas Avenue, right, right by right. the ticket boxes. Yeah. It is the busiest one. Um, Horace, who took over for you as a supervisor over Section One Eleven, he was outside scanning tickets. He, as soon as the national anthem ended, he was outside scanning tickets. Yep. He didn't come back into the building until the seventh inning. Yeah, I mean that's just. That's how it goes. I mean, you if you're if you work by for you know people that oh one more thing thing, one thing I forgot to mention Um, if you're trying to enter the building you can no longer enter through the VIP entrance 
Oh, really? Yeah, they changed that to just where media members can come in. You know how they had, you said the table by cell phone plate? That's, that's now the, all the media comes in through VIP. So if you're it's, trying, if it, you're a fan trying to enter the game, you can no longer enter that through there. That's smart because nobody goes to there. Hardly anybody goes to that entrance. Mm-hmm. That was the entrance if you if you wanted to get a you know an exclusive giveaway yeah. a bobblehead or whatever that's the entrance you go to because not many people you know go through there and that's fine uh, but that is smart I mean before the games uh, you got media coming in you got people coming in you know especially that South Home Plate entrance mm-hmm. you know it, it gets real chaotic I think if you have the media come in from a, a you know. A back entrance where very few people are anyways, uh, that's smart and should have been the case for a long time. But, you know, if you do work on the main level, you know, just kind of in some insight, you know, for people who watch the, op, you know, watch uh, the employees who are part of the, the operations, the game operations, you know, in these stadiums, you know, based on my experience, I mean, if you work on the main level... Near any of the entrances, mm-hmm. you know, ex- you're gonna. Ex- it's almost like you'll be expected to be pulled off your spot or away for a few minutes and work a door and get people in because you get a constant flow of people, yep. you know, at least until the fourth inning, and that's just people coming in for the first time. You know, that doesn't include people who are going in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, I mean. That's I, I, that's one part of the job I don't miss is just the actually I miss it and I don't because at the end of the night it's like man that was crazy that's as crazy it's gonna get um, but when you're in the thick of it you're like oh man when when is this night gonna end <laughs> especially when you know you get there early to help with the giveaway then you you know at the end of the night you look at the clock and you've been there at Minute Maid Park for over eight hours yeah so. Whew. that's scary because I went in at one. 30. Wow. And I think I got out around 9.45. Holy cow. Yeah. Thank God the game started at 6. So, you know, this year, I mean, how many... uh, How many crazy fans were there? I mean, you know, was it... Was mostly everybody pretty cool? Or, you know, you have some, you know, some clowns? Or, you know, how how does this... How's the season looking so far? You always have clowns. That goes without saying because you always have clowns in the general population. Sure. People who think the rules don't apply to them. Oh, yeah. Um, that's when they... FYI, they do apply. They yeah. do apply to you. That's, Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Say what you want to me, but I will go get an HPD officer real quick. Sure. And you can curse all you want to him, and then they'll take you to that little jail we have underneath the ballpark. Yeah. And when I say little, I mean little. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for the most part, I think people were just excited mm-hmm. more than anything. Just get in the ballpark and watch the Astros play and win. You know, the Astros have, since they moved to the AL, they have n- never lost an opening day. Really? Yeah, three years in, three years win. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, the Darvish, that was game two. That was game two. Darvish, uh, the rain, when he almost no-hit us. Okay. Wow, that's pretty good, man. You got to like that. Problem is, they start, (laughs) the first game is good. (laughs) The rest of April, uh, not so much. They start out hot. 
and it's just all downhill from there. Yeah, we've already had that problem. So opening day, they won, Astros won two to nothing behind Dallas Keuchel's excellent vision. I mean, that opening day matchup was probably the best I've seen in the Astros since you know Clemens or or Roswell were playing for as far as opening days go. Having both of those guys prove that last year, what they did last year, Keiko having the ERA underneath three, mm-hmm. and Hoover winning the Cy Young, they were both off the great starts proving that last year was um, it wasn't a fluke. Those guys were on the on the mark the entire game. Yeah, man, that's that's great to hear. Um, let's talk about uh, the game itself, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, yeah, you said Keiko was was on point. He was an on-point king. Yeah. Uh, how did the offense look? Uh, the first game, the offense was not good. Just the first game? Oh, okay. The, these, <laughs> the this, whole this, series. Yeah, this whole series, uh, the offense has been terrible. Yeah. Um, three games to score a total of two runs and have, uh, I believe the exact total is 36 strikeouts in three games. Wow. I love that coming from Evan Gaddis. He has back-to-back 4K games. Oh, my gosh. Ew. I mean, we predicted this, that there was going to be a feast or famine lineup. And there's been a lot of famine lately. <laughs> right. And when I'm out there and I'm watching the game, I feel like if Altuve doesn't get a hit or Springer doesn't you know, get a hit or walk, then <laughs> I might as well just sit and wait. For Altuve to come up again, <laughs> it's, it's I don't know what how to describe it. I don't know why they they seem to be taking this whole take a pitch philosophy a little too far. Because I saw two Gaddis uh, at bats in a row where he took the first pitch strike, t- took a second pitch strike, and then swung and missed at a breaking ball out of the zone. Man. This is what's really worrying me. I mean, this team... Well, no, it doesn't really worry. I think most people are expecting it. But this team is going to be really, really bad with strikeouts. Yeah, but I think we expected that, right? Yeah. Um, it's still just kind of scary to think how many strikeouts we're really going to get. I mean, they're going to they're gonna break some records this year. Well, the 2013 Astros already hold the Major League record for strikeouts. The good thing is this current team is behind that pace. This current team has 36 strikeouts through three games. The 2013 Astros had 45 through three games. Wow. So, we're we're behind (laughs) that. All right. (laughs) We're not terrible. Elias Sports has reported that the Astros team batting average of .095 is the worst ever in the history of baseball for the first three games. And we've been playing baseball for a pretty long time. Yeah. Man. In history. History. Boy, those power numbers sure better compensate for the historic numbers of, you know, that we're going to be uh, remembered for, essentially. Batting averages and strikeouts. So let me... I want you to give me the Astros lineup that you that you would set. So you got let's go around the the diamond. 
At first, you have Carter. Mm-hmm. Second, Altuve. Shortstop short is Lowry. Third base is Valvano. And the outfield, I'm sorry, catching, you have Castro. And the outfield, you have Marisnik, Springer, and Rasmus. And your DH is Gaddis. So give me your one through nine. Is Maris? I mean, with the with Marisnik's defense, I mean, does that uh, based on his defensive prowess, does that automatically equal just him having speed all over? Are you? Is, is he known to be a speedster? Uh, a little bit. His defense really is about him getting excellent breaks and jumps on the ball. Okay, off the bat. Because I was going to say, I think, you know, typically I, I, I could see a guy like Marisnik being your leadoff hitter. Um, they say, what, your best hit, overall hitter should hit in the two-hole? I think that should be Altuve. So give me one through nine. Come on. So I would say Marisnik. All right. Altuve. All right. Um, wow. Let's say you're going, through, you're going against a righty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh... Marisnik, Altuve. Let's see. Gaddis. Okay. Springer. All right. Carter. That's what, five? Sure. Uh, Valbuena. No, no. I would say Rasmus. Okay. Lowry. Okay. Valbuena. Okay. And then... Where's the last guy you forgot? Who is the last guy? Ooh, Castro? Wow. But see, I think this lineup has potential to, to, you know, they can hit as long as they're not striking out. I think they can make good contact work. You know the only reason I asked you that question, so I can tell you the lineup that they've had for two Mm -hmm. righties in a row. And I think that's more of a traditional lineup that I went with, I mean, for the most part. Here's the lineup they have. Atuve... First, Springer, Valvena, Gaddis, Carter, Castro, Lowry, Rasmus, Marisnik. Why is Valvena hitting third? I have no idea. I saw that and I I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's not like he's a guy who hits 300 with 15 home runs. Last year was his high and he hit 249. Right. And I know he had a good spring, but that shouldn't. I mean, that shouldn't take away from your, uh, from the rest of your team, you know, that, that that you have in place. I mean, you've had guys like Springer and Carter and Castro uh, already established on this team. And you've got newcomers like Valbuena and Gaddis. I don't necessarily think you need to put guys like Valbuena. You shouldn't put Valbuena at third. I mean, this guy, where did I have him? I had him, like, hitting seventh. Maybe he could even hit ninth, perhaps. You know, I had I had the lineup going Altuve first, followed by Castro second. You know, I've seen that as well. Uh, they used, they've done that in the past where Castro hit second, and I liked that that setup. I think you especially know. against a righty. I don't. I just like I don't think Valvina is like a terrible player. I just think he's underqualified to be hitting third, to be hitting in a prime spot. Exactly. Yeah. If he was hitting six or lower, I wouldn't have a problem with this. But I don't understand. He's not. The, I mean, your third. The guy who's, who's hit third and four should be your best hitters on the team. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Your quote unquote power hitters. 
and he's not that, and he's not an, a guy that can hit for hours like Altuve. So, what? I don't know. Those spring numbers really must have, uh, man, must have really. Which is ridiculous because anybody <laughs> in the league will tell you spring numbers mean nothing. Yeah. You're going against pitchers who Unless are. Unless you're Chris Bryant. Yeah. Uh, let's Go, Chris, Chris Bryant. <laughs> You're going against pitchers who are not trying 100%. They're mostly trying to, uh, you know, work on their secondary stuff, getting their splitters, curves, whatever, working. So nobody really pays attention yeah. unless you're Chris Bryant. Go Chris Bryant! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... I was really... And, and they've kept Valbuena third for the whole series, right? Yeah. No, definitely for the second and third game. Let me check the first game because I do not remember. No, I think he hit third for the second year for the first game. Yes, he did. You're right. Went 0 for 3 with one strikeout, of course. <laughs> Here's a hint. If he's not on anybody's fantasy team, you should not be hitting third or fourth. <laughs> Just a suggestion. What do I know? AJ Hinch get paid a lot more than I do to make these decisions. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I still, I still have faith in this team. Oh uh, yeah, it's still early. I mean, it's very early. I think, I think uh, if there's going to be overreactions everywhere. Yeah, we've had more uh, what they call shutouts so far than any other time in MLB history. Mm-hmm. It's just you know the pitchers right now are ahead of the hitters. And uh, that will that will um, balance itself out. How's the bullpen looking? Because Gregerson got the save on Monday, I believe, and I think that was a big. He threw six pitches to wow. get that save. I mean, so far what I've seen, Gregerson's look good, but you know, small sample size. Same mm-hmm. thing with uh, Tony Sip. He had one inning of work on opening day, 13 pitches, nine for strikes, two strikeouts. Look, I mean, there's not much that you've seen. Let's go to game two. Because right now the only guy in the bullpen that really got quote-unquote lit up was Pat Neshek. Um, One inning, two hits, one earned run and one strikeout. Gave up a home run. Who did he get that up to? Uh, who is that? Micah Villas? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, in the eighth inning of the second game. And then... Well, he hit a, he hit a home run to left field 406 feet? <laughs> is that possible? Did he hit it off the glass? I don't know. I did not see that home run. I was not there. 406 feet? Yeah, that's far. Yeah, for left field? <laughs> that's far. That's a head scratcher if I've ever heard one. I want to like see the video of that home run. Yeah. I'll just want to see the video pops up. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's early in the season. We're, best light we're three games know. in. Uh, you know, I've, there's some other baseball podcasts I've listened to, and, you know, they've talked about overreactions. And, yeah, I mean, that's going to be everywhere. It's going to be league-wide, especially after the first few games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's kind of standard. That usually happens year in and year out. And you, it's kind of hard not to overreact to your home team winning opening day. 
But uh, it's always good to get that opening day win. Yeah, I mean, it should set the tone for the rest of the year. And I don't know. I don't know if that's the case right now. But there's still plenty of time. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. 159 games left. And we, through three games, we're at one and two, which... One and two. Better than 0 and three. Is no bueno, but... It could like be, I said, it is much better than 0 and three. It could be a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. Um, anything else? You know, my always, what always is my favorite opening day moment... Mm-hmm. When the pitcher, you know, goes out to the mound and that first pitch is a strike. Oh yeah, it's a fastball down the plate. The hitter just takes it and it's a strike. It's always a huge moment. It's always a big cheer. That I and love the, it. the pop from the crowd is just. Yeah. Uh, sorry, wrestling terminology. <laughs> sorry. I think our people are smart enough to understand what pop means. The pop from the crowd is just. It's chilling, man. It really is. I mean, it's just like all right, we're, but you know, we're we're, we're here. here. <laughs> We may or may not be queer. Well, we're not. Well, we're not. I'm I'm not the fans. I don't know how they were. Yeah, it's it's always a good feeling to get that first strike out of the way. After that, it's like you should be confident that you can throw strikes anytime. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Three games in, still have 159 to go. It'll be a fun season, and we'll definitely talk more about it as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is uh, like I said; it's going to be a big year. I think it's going to be um, the start of something really big. You should hope so. You had them winning a wild card, so yeah, at least you know the the one game playoff wild card spot. You are high on um, hopes and dreams, aren't you? Yeah. Don't stop believing. No, please don't stop not singing that song. Oh, you don't want to give the people what they want? I dare you, sir. Not in this case. Alright, anything else you want to talk about today? No, I think, I think we covered it. Yeah, we did a pretty good job just talking about baseball in general. Yeah, you know, we can always talk about the rest of the league another day, but uh, it's always good to focus on, on the home team. Give them the love that they deserve. Yeah. So, and we thank you for all the love that you've shown us. I don't know if we deserve it yet, but we've been gone for a while. We're back. We're back, and uh, you know we appreciate everything. Please continue to uh, download us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, yeah. At Ant underscore Garcia two eight eight. I thought you said you were going to change that before opening day. I said a lot of things. Yeah, we still don't have an, older, an <laughs> yeah. opening intro. You know what? I'm gonna give you a, a week to get us intro music. And if you haven't done it by then, I'm just gonna pick a song and do it myself. We're like 67 podcasts in. What are you doing with your life, man? Twiddling your thumbs. I'm thinking you. about it. it's it's a, it's a slow process. You can't. Yeah, just... of course it's slow. We're 67 <laughs> podcasts in. You can't just jump into a song, man. You got to pick the right one. This is gonna be the song we're gonna listen to all the time. If this was any slower, the Titanic would have ran into it. <laughs> oh, wow! Oh. You went too soon. You went 20th century jokes on my too soon on me, man. Yeah, I do what I can. 
Follow me at DQ327. And like always, follow the main site at 288 underscore. Okay. That's it. All right. For Anthony, I'm DeQuincy. Later, babies.